Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM, Progress After Dark. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to Tell Me Everything. I hope you're doing all right. We've got a great show planned for you tonight. Great show planned for the weeks to come. We just did an interview with Bob Woodward yesterday, and that's going to air tomorrow, I think. Are we playing Bob Woodward tomorrow? Really? Yeah. Yeah, all right, we'll put it on tomorrow night. Also, we're doing an interview with uh, one of the best character actors in the world, Sir Jonathan Price, who, of course, uh, has done everything from Game of Thrones, where he was the, the High Sparrow. He was the lead in Terry Gilliam's Brazil. He's been in, my God, Glengarry Glen Ross and, and so many films. He's played every Shakespeare lead. He was nominated for Best Actor Oscar last year for The Two Popes, uh, and now he is playing Prince Philip in the crown I, we've had some great actors on the show but i'm so excited to have a, one of the best join us here in the studio and a lot of other actors coming up that i hope we can announce soon tonight's a great one andrew lawrence from media matters is here to talk all about what's going on on twitter and a public corporate meltdown like nothing we've ever seen i'll tell you Spoiled, petulant millionaires at birth who think they can buy the world are having a really unpleasant November, and we're only 10 days in. Professor Corey Brettschneider will join us later on in this hour to talk about the election fallout and what to expect next. As always, our most important guest is always you guys, 866-997-GRIT. And we would love to hear from you as Donald Trump's poll numbers plunge, well, like a Tesla stock. Yeah. Thea's running the show from Brooklyn. Chris Hauselt's our executive producer, running this thing from South Carolina. And we are so glad you guys are here with us. One more time to thank everyone who uh, pitched in to make election night. Such a huge success, not just in America, but more importantly at SiriusXM. Naira Hawk and uh, Joe Sudbay for working all night long. And yeah, let's let's thank all the you know black folks and union people and uh, millennials and Gen Zs uh, for turning out and saving democracy. Shall we? Let's begin. Allies of Donald Trump are bailing on Trump like they are Trump and Trump is one of Trump's wives. Donald Trump's involvement, poor Ahemplo, in Pennsylvania's Senate race, plus his endorsement of all, which they lost, by the way, and Pennsylvania's governor race, which they lost, and his endorsement of so many hard right House candidates who either lost or are struggling. Carrie Lake, I mean, even if she wins, it took days and days Donald Trump's image of a power broker is done. Democrats kept on winning over and over again. They defended majorities in state legislatures. And they, more importantly, and we'll talk about this all night long, they were weakening Republican influence and power on the issues that are the heart of the national political debate. 
Turns out, people really do care about abortion. But a lot of people don't really care too much about being incredibly shitty to trans children. Democrat Eric Sorensen defeated Republican Esther Joy King in Illinois' 17th district. Uh, Republican uh, Jay Obernolte did win re-election over Democrat Derek Marshall in California's 23rd. Democrat Gabrielle Vasquez defeated Republican Rep. Yvette Harrell to flip New Mexico's 2nd district. Of course, corrupt Republican Ryan Zinke, who had to, he was so corrupt. How corrupt was he? He had to quit being in Trump's cabinet. Trump accepted his resignation. That's how corrupt he was. And he defeated Democrat Monica Tranell in Montana's 1st District. In Michigan, Democrats flipped the House and the Senate to take complete control of that state's government for the first time in 40 years. And Governor Gretchen Whitmer won re-election by double digits, y'all. That's Michigan. In Minnesota, Democrats got the trifecta. They took the state, Senate, and the House, and the governor's race. Uh, in Wisconsin... Democrats denied Republicans having a supermajority that would have allowed them to override Governor Tony Evers' veto. That's the only thing standing in the way of a statewide abortion ban. And man, Wisconsin, I wish you turned out harder for Mandela Barnes, but thank you for that. Adam Frisch still is on the edge of defeating Lauren Boebert. And if he doesn't, and she goes back to the House, well, she'll have won by a very bare margin. Mark Kelly looks like he could still defeat Blake Masters, but we don't know yet. Catherine Cortez Masto, we don't know if she's defeated Adam Laxalt yet. And of course, Katie Hobbs has increased her lead over professional nut job Carrie Lake by another 3,000 votes today. But we don't know if that's going to be enough. These are the races we're going to be watching. These are the races we might have results for tonight. Again, it's Adam Frisch against Lauren Boebert for the House seat in Colorado. Mark Kelly for the Senate against Blake Masters in Arizona. Catherine Cortez Masto and Adam Laxalt and Katie Hobbs and... uh the unstoppable Carrie Lake, who again, on Monday, was being touted as a future presidential candidate. You know, gerrymandering should be illegal, and Republicans will never let it be illegal. You know why things are so good in Michigan? Because that's a state that's not gerrymandered. And you saw the results. The Republicans have to win, well, the way Ron DeSantis wins, by carving up districts making them look like unnatural M.C. Escher fractals on tainted meth. I mean, have you ever seen the shape? Google sometime the shape of the district Jim Jordan represents in Ohio. Who could carve something like this out of ground? Well, people who don't want black votes to have too much power. Here's Joe Biden earlier today at a DNC event, and he said he's, he's still going to be open to working across the aisle, but he is never going to concede on some core social programs. I'll always be open to any good ideas, whether it's Democrat or Republican, to move the country forward. But I've also made it really clear that if Republicans try to repeal the power we just gave Medicare to reduce prescription drug costs, I will veto it and let it happen. If Republicans try to walk away from the historic commitment we just made to deal with the climate crisis, I will not let that happen. If Republicans try to cut Social Security and Medicare, I will not let that happen. And if they try to cut taxes for the super wealthy again, the biggest corporations like they did in the last administration, I will not let that happen either. That guy's got some spring in his step. It's very nice to see. Now, a lot of Donald Trump's advisors are begging him to delay his big announcement coming up. Big announcement. You know what it's going to be about. It's going to be about a scam to get more money from white people. Maybe it'll be a presidential election. Maybe it'll be an NFT. We don't know. But they're begging him. <laughs> the, the new hats are out. We have brand new hats. Uh, ignore the Made in China sticker on the back. That's a media hoax. But uh, they're the best hats you could ever buy. Here's an NFT of the hat. <laughs> 
they're begging him to wait until after the Georgia runoff election on December 6th. You think Donald Trump has enough impulse control to wait? But, sir, it might hurt the Republican Party. And that's the beautiful thing. Have you got on Twitter lately? All these red hats who are lamenting the fact that Donald Trump's going after Ron DeSantis, which is what this opening rant is about. It's almost as if Donald Trump never cared about the Republican Party. It only cared about himself. Exit polls in Wisconsin, exit polls in Pennsylvania have Trump's unfavorable rating at 58%. That's less popular than Joe Biden. And Joe Biden's done shit in the last two years. Um, In Michigan, again, the third state of the Rust Belt that helped Trump get elected in 2016. They just repudiated Trump's endorsed candidates up and down the ticket. New York Post. Are you are you comfortable? Are you, are you this is the part where it gets really good. I want you I want you to get comfortable. Like you can pause this if you're listening on the podcast and get in a nice warm bath. Pour a glass of wine, light some candles. It it's going to start to get beautiful here. I'm I'm coming in closer to the mic to make it more intimate. Because the New York Post, the most ugly racist rag in all of New York City, founded by Alexander Hamilton, ruined by an Australian billionaire. They could not have been more loyal to Donald Trump, and they are done. They're as done with Donald Trump as Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal has been done with him for almost a year. They unleashed a brutal takedown. After these midterms, they called him Trumpy Dumpty. He couldn't build a wall, had a great fall. Just scathing. John Poderetz, right-wing John Poderetz, wrote an op-ed calling him toxic. After three straight national tallies in which either he or his party or both were hammered by the national electorate, it is time for even his stands to accept the truth. Toxic Trump is the political equivalent of a can of raid. I mean, you've got John Poderetz using outdated slang like stand. That's how strong this is. The surest way to lose these midterms was to be a politician endorsed by Trump. This is not hyperbole. Well, what does Chris Christie think? He's been on this show. He, he's, he's a friend. He listens all the time. Uh, the former New Jersey governor said, we lost in 18, we lost in 20, we lost in 21 in Georgia. And now in 22, we're going to net lose governorships. We're not going to pick up the number of seats in the House that we thought. And we may not win the Senate, despite a president who has a 40% job approval. There's only one person to blame for that, and that's Donald Trump. Ooh, tough talking, Chris. It sounds like he's eating this up. How dare you make a fat joke about him, sir? How dare you? I won't do that. I will not make jokes. I won't size shame Chris Christie. And he's, you just think he's ridden off. He, he could still bounce back. And that's not a fat joke. He, he's, he can still climb any mountain. I mean, with the aid of multiple Sherpas, he can, many Sherpas he can climb. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. Uh, Pat Toomey, retiring senator. Uh, in Pennsylvania, called the losses the debacle that he's responsible for to some degree. Paul Ryan, and when has he been wrong about anything, said Trump was a drag on our ticket. And Magaland, well, it's not happy because Donald Trump probably doesn't mind the anti-Trump headlines in the New York Post. You know what bothers Donald Trump? The pro-Ron DeSantis headlines, like the one on Wednesday that called DeSantis de future. Apparently, sources say Trump was enraged when he saw it on Wednesday. And that's good because, you know, Donald Trump has a print edition of the Post delivered to his shitty hotel in Florida. Trump trashed Rupert Murdoch's tabloid as garbage. So now you know how weird it is, folks, because I'm going to start agreeing with Donald Trump. I'm going to really agree with him because so far his little petulant tantrums at Ron DeSantis, they're embarrassing, but they're kind of spot on. 
And that's what I want to talk about because he has unloaded on Ron DeSantis in a lengthy diatribe on his, what is it called? The truth, truth, the social, the social truth, social, whatever that thing is that Devin Nunez is going to lose money on. Uh, he referred to his, uh, his former endorsee, now his potential rival, as an average Republican who owes his political success to Trump's endorsement in 2018 in the governor's race. All of which is totally true. But have you heard this? Did you read the statement? Trump went postal on him. He unleashed on him. He called him Ron DeSanctimonious again. And I'm sorry. I like that nickname. I think it's good. Said he lacks loyalty. He lacks class. Said DeSantis came to him in desperate shape and he fixed his campaign. Donald Trump is still trying to gaslight his entire base into thinking the midterms went really well for him. Do you think they believe it? And does his obsession with Ron DeSantis make him look stable and confident? Here's a statement from Truth Social. I'll read you some of it. I don't do as good an impression as other people, but bear with me. Now that the midterms are over and a success, News Corp, which is Fox, the Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations who didn't have to close up his state, but did. Unlike other Republican governors, whose overall numbers for a Republican were just average, middle of the pack, including COVID. He's going after Ron DeSantis for being irresponsible on COVID. Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide to a very good agricultural commissioner who was loaded up with cash at great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls, and no money, but he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. When I endorsed him, I also fixed his campaign, which had completely fallen apart. I was all in for Ron, and he beat Gillum. Remember the ads Ron DeSantis did in Florida? Literally, he did ads where his wife was making fun of how obsessed with Trump he was. Like, it's the most unmanly, sycophantic thing you've ever seen. Google it. It's creepier than his I Am God ad. It's literally him with his child saying, we're going to build a wall with Mr. Trump with blocks. He's exploiting a baby for racism. It's, it, you got to see it. Uh, but here's the really interesting part in the Truth Social posting today. After the race, when votes were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County, and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day, along with now Senator Rick Scott, I sent in the FBI and the U.S. attorneys. What? You sent in the FBI? And the, and the ballot theft immediately ended just prior to them running out of the votes necessary to win. I stopped this election for being stolen. I encourage you, if you can, to, to read the post yourself. You can Google it and go on Twitter. You'll, you'll, you don't have to go to Truth Social. It's out. It's all over the place. But does that sound to you like Trump is admitting to rigging the 2018 Florida gubernatorial election to help Ron DeSantis? I mean, it, it reads like Donald Trump publicly confessing that he used the FBI and DOJ to illegally help Ron DeSantis win in 2018. I know, right? Wait, Trump's confessing to committing another election-fixing crime? Wow, this is the evil thing that'll really take him down. I'm sure Merrick Garland looked up from his oatmeal and said, yeah, we'll get to that next. Trump is claiming he ordered the FBI and U.S. attorneys to stop ballot counting in the 2018 Florida race. So DeSantis could barely beat Andrew Gillum. Is Trump confessing to felonies? And why would he do that? Does he want to hurt Ron DeSantis so badly he's willing to hurt himself? Also, guys, uh, awkward part here. Um, I probably already know this. Um, Donald Trump never did that. <laughs> I'm a clown, and I can tell you he did definitely not send the FBI or the DOJ anywhere to save Ron DeSantis's campaign. Not I mean, that what we know? Not that we know, but what does he say? He, here's I don't the deal. Know. It There's two like options a to this. Shocking admission. 
either Trump used the FBI to rig an election in Florida and nobody cared, or Trump is lying about using the FBI to rig an election in Florida. That's, that's, these are the options. So what do you guys think? Is it all for show? You know, Donald Trump's only hope of the White House a second time, I don't think he can do it. And I really don't think Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden. But if Trump had DeSantis as a running mate, I think he could do it. I thought Hillary Clinton could have beaten Trump if she had Bernie Sanders as a running mate. I love Tim, Tim Kaine. I, I don't think he brought anything to the ticket. But he'd have to have DeSantis as a running mate to win. Would DeSantis do it? I mean, it's kind of like all of these insults to me are guaranteeing that he wouldn't. I know. Who knows? I mean, look how hard Kamala Harris went after Joe Biden and he invited her, but it was the shrewd choice. Reagan and Bush Sr. hated each other, but they were a smart pairing. JFK and LBJ, it happens. But if Trump were to run for president and Ron DeSantis ran against him and Trump were to lose the primary race to Ron DeSantis, what would Donald Trump do? Would he humbly endorse Ron DeSantis? Would he run as a third party candidate? Or would he sit to the side and heckle everybody throughout the entire general election and be the troll that he is? I mean, which one could it be? And this is what Donald Trump said about Ron DeSantis this week. If he runs, he runs. If he did run, I will tell you things about him that won't be very flattering. I know more about him than anybody other than perhaps his wife, who is really running his campaign. (laughs) I could be wrong, but that doesn't sound like a won't you be my veep kind of announcement. Trump has also been spreading a lot of gossip about Ron DeSantis, including certain unverified allegations about his personal life. To quote Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone is declining to repeat what Trump has said. How bad could it be? What, Ron DeSantis isn't really an American and wasn't really born here? I mean, the more popular DeSantis gets, the more furious Trump gets. And again, don't misunderstand me. I think DeSantis is a much greater threat to democracy than Donald Trump. DeSantis is more electable than Donald Trump. He might be the most electable man in the country. The best hope for Democrats is to use Donald Trump, use Donald Trump's fragile, empty bucket of need that is his heart and get him to declare war against any Republicans who are trying to usurp him because Donald Trump will destroy the party. And those of us who know he's always been a selfish bastard can finally use that to democracy's advantage. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. (laughs) 
I'm John Fiegel saying this is SiriusXM Progress. I need somebody smarter, more learned, more compassionate, and more fun than me. Professor Corey Brettschneider is the professor with a Ph.D. in politics from Princeton and a law degree from Stanford. Uses his superpowers to enrich the lives in the poli-sci department at Brown. You should own his book, The Oath and the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. It's one of the smartest books I own. Also, check out his Penguin Liberty series on free speech, impeachment, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases. Professor Brett Schneider, we survived Election Day. It's almost done. Uh, yes, and I'm hoping the country will survive. It was certainly a lot better result than, than uh, what, what I feared and what we all feared. And, um, you know, the one good thing to say is that Trump doesn't come out victorious. He's weakened, and uh, a lot of his candidates, of course, lost, uh, including, thank God, we don't have to talk about Senator Oz. That, that would have been a disaster. Yes. Yes. And um, but yet, you know, I w- <laughs> it's not like things are going to go back to the old Republican Party with a loyal opposition. I think, you know, once Trumpism came out of the gate, even, even if Trump isn't there, uh, we're going to have to worry about who the inheritor of this style of politics is going to be. And I, I worry it's here to stay. And it's at the core of that that party, unfortunately. Uh- and, and that's a real danger with or without him. I'd agree. But but wouldn't you say that Trump isn't really the primary driver of this? I mean, to some degree, this this started with Gingrich. You know, this started with Sarah Palin. This Donald Trump, I keep saying, is just the hood ornament on this Nazi clown car. <laughs> uh, he 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 certainly mainstreamed it and took it to a larger level. But this kind of, you know, petulance, this dishonesty, we've we've seen this from the party on the fringes in a yeah. long time. Does Trump represent the white nationalist ignorant fringe just taking over the party of Lincoln? Is that his big contribution to his? Yes, I was going to say, I think that there were elements of Trumpism in Palin, the kind of stupidity, the love of, um, you know, celebrity above all things, the the sort of focus, the shallowness of it, uh, the, you know, lack of reason. But that's very different, I think. And certainly I'd add with Gingrich, I mean, that that was, you know, Gingrich is obviously PhD in history. This isn't an ignorant person the way that Trump or Palin Fair is. He, he was malicious, certainly, in many ways, but not in the way, and I think this is the difference, of affirming white nationalism, of really seeing that as the base <laughs> and going for it. And then, of course, the, the true danger, along with that, I would say equal danger, is, is the denial of the legitimacy of the system of elections. That, that yeah. I think, is new. And, of course, January 6th. So that, when I say Trumpism, I mean elements of Palin and Gingrich, but really combined with that anti-democratic fervor uh, uh, tinged with, with more than tinged, uh, really defined by its white nationalism. And, and, and that's frightening. And, you know, DeSantis scares me as the inheritor of that tradition. You know, the, the, what we talked about, I think, three weeks ago, the um, terrible stunt with the plane and Martha's Vineyard, the the willingness to basically abuse people in order to win uh, in the most grotesque way, that's that's got a, at core a kind of Trumpism. And when you combine that with a mind that isn't as uh, dim as Trump's, that's, you know, he's a trained lawyer. He knows what he's doing. He's strategic. Uh, I think I think we've got we've got something frightening on on the horizon for us from the Republican Party. Now, how 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 damaged do you think, though, 
Trumpism is. I began the show talking about all of these allies that are just bailing on Donald Trump from, mm. well, not Fox News yet, but the New York Post and Murdoch's Wall Street Journal are both solidly right. anti-Trump. Chris Christie cut him loose. We're seeing tons of high-ranking Republican figures. We know that they're walking a very, very dodgy tightrope because they definitely want to get rid of Trump. They see DeSantis rightfully as the winning future of their party. And they know that Trump can ruin that. And they know Democrats know that Trump can ruin that. But they can't run the risk of alienating Trump's loyal base. I mean, that seems to be the fix the Republicans find themselves in now. Right. And, you know, I think DeSantos and Murdoch, that they're craving enough that if there was a way to win without retaining all the most vile elements of Trumpism, maybe they would do it. But they see that that's not possible, that the risk is that they get seen as, you know, Trump and his cliches would call them rhinos, uh, right. real Republicanism, meaning not real Trumpism. And so they have to walk the line. I mean, one thing the Post is doing is, you know, using that sort of mockery that, that Trump probably got from them in the first place. And now they're reclaiming, uh, you know, what, what was their headline? Uh, Trumpity dumpity or something, just, yeah. you, know, the, yeah. the, you know, mocking the name and his fragility. Uh, and yet, you know, yet in the process, I, I don't see the New York Post <laughs> becoming or Murdoch's empire uh, not using the sort of vile tactics that Trump Trump mastered. I mean, of course, I guess I, I don't think it's they never they never respected him. Rupert Murdoch never liked yeah. Donald Trump. They yeah. viewed him as being useful. And he was Donald Trump got Rupert Murdoch's taxes cut markedly. But yep. now Donald Trump potentially stands in the way of Rupert Murdoch getting his taxes cut even more. And that's kind of what's driving all of this, isn't it? Yeah. And he's found his new new puppy dog. And that's DeSantis. I mean, how frightening to talk about democracy and, and the willingness to, to overthrow elections. But the idea that there's an, uh, you know, uh, 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 Australian citizen that's just basically manipulating our politics in that way by by controlling the beliefs of a significant you know one of the two major parties I, I find that frightening in itself and yet i do wonder you know can would trump ever have been able to get as far as he could without fox probably not and so no they no. really do turn on him uh that might that might spell the end of his career so let, let's let's talk about um the real unsung hero of the democrats uh Pretty good midterm night. Not a great one. I mean, I don't think anybody won. Certainly Republicans lost. And I think the real unsung hero of the Republicans loss is not Trump. It's Sam Alito. I mean, I think we'll spend many years trying to figure out how much credit Sam Alito himself and Clarence Thomas are owed for such (laughs) an unexpectedly strong turnout. And so many young people, Corey, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, Michigan certainly, I think, is a direct repudiation of the Dobbs case and Alito there. And I do think, you know, usually Supreme Court opinions are so dull, they don't pierce their way into the public consciousness. But I think it isn't just that the Supreme Court overturned the right to an abortion. It's that they did it, and this is the point about Alito, with such vitriol and with such, you know, I don't know how to put it. I mean, theocratic overtones that basically the fetus as a citizen, just like voters are who entitled to uh, the same kind of protections that's what's lurking in the background of that opinion and really the also sort of just cavalier willingness to throw out 
not just the right to abortion, but really uh, an attack on the right of privacy, the idea that Americans can make decisions for themselves free from the prying eyes of government. I mean, that's really what that opinion was about, and, and that enraged people. And so, you know, thankfully, they didn't ignore the opinion. They didn't ignore its author, and that, I think that's exactly right. The Americans are really taking their rage out on, on you know, Alito as, as much as Trump with his, with his allies on the court. There, there's a piece in the New York Times today by Lisa Lehrer and Elizabeth Diaz that talks about how um, these results of this election signal the struggle ahead for Republicans who leave this election divided on an issue that has long been bedrock for the party. The socially conservative wing of the party remains determined to advance their cause of criminalizing abortion nationwide, but they now face a Republican establishment more inclined to see debates over abortion restrictions as a political liability. I mean, you pointed out, it seems like, you know, the GOP doesn't really believe in the current states' rights settlement. I mean, we saw abortion rights win in states that don't have a lot of Democrats. Yeah, there was, I think, a hope that among Republicans that the court could do what it was doing, could fulfill its promise of getting rid of the right to an abortion. And then Americans would just think, okay, this is up to the states to decide and um, it won't be an issue that taints Republicans. That's just not the case. Obviously, the, the core of the beliefs are about the idea that abortion is homicide, as I saw one Republican voter yes. put it, meaning that women who have abortion should be punished as murderers, should be imprisoned. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that, that is a uh, belief that is, you know, uh, uh, offensive to those of us in the Democratic Party, I think even pro-life Democrats don't have that view. But, but I mean, on the Republican Party, I, I think that that is the belief of, of the core. And that's not a winning issue nationally. No. Nobody wants to see women imprisoned for... Oh, no. Oh, oh, some do, Corey. Some do. Yeah, and right you know what? I, the Republican Party. Yeah, but nobody I will give the, the Democrats... Dem- so. <laughs> I'll, I'll give the Democrats... No, I think you're right. I will give the Democrats credit. They were not wrong to focus on abortion rights as heavily as they did. We've sat through, we've talked about it, weeks of the mainstream press telling us how Democrats overplayed their hand on abortion. No, no one cares. A bunch of a bunch of journalists who've never had uteruses have been spending a month writing articles about how no one cares about this. Exit polls done by the TV networks and Edson Research showed... In Pennsylvania, abortion overtook the economy as the top issue on voters' minds. In Michigan, almost half of all voters, all voters, said abortion was their top issue. Democrats played the right strategy and they leaned in on it. I, I do think they need to start using the language you said. I think they need to start talking about criminalizing abortion. If you want to make it illegal across the country, it's not going to end abortion. It'll end the safe legal ones. I mean, Democrats need to say they're talking about putting women in cages. Right, right, exactly. And the idea that you would believe in the equality of women and simultaneously recommend the criminal punishment of women who have abortions is absurd. I'll come back to the opinion, too, because I don't... I would. I don't want to suggest that it's just mainstream Republican voters who have this view. I think Sam Alito has this view, and the reason I think that is because when you read the Dobbs opinion closely, it's all about the idea that in the 18th century, in the early Republic, there was this belief that the fetus was alive. Now, most historians that I've talked to think he's basically making this up or finding a few people who had this belief that it wasn't widespread, 
But regardless of the history, no one in contemporary America, uh, aside from the core of the Republican Party, but most Americans are not going to go along with the idea that there should be a national ban on abortion that mandates that women be treated as murderers. And just to add to that, the sort of fake idea that what the court is doing is leaving it up to the states, I don't believe that for a second. I think there is a long-term agenda that if the Congress doesn't pass a bill, and certainly a lot of Republicans want to see this, a bill to outlaw abortion nationally and to criminalize it nationally, that the Supreme Court might try to do it by saying that the fetus has rights just like any other citizen and that they have to be protected under equal protection of the law. I said that when Gorsuch was nominated. I had a piece in the New York Times that said that. It seemed absurd to to some people at the time, but I had read his work. And now we have an opinion that has the seeds of that idea. So this is a radical party when it comes to abortion, and it is not uh, in any way over by saying that the states are going to decide this issue. They're not. It's going to be a national issue. Democrats, of course, can fight back and try to win, win Congress and eventually pass. It's not going to be easy, but a national protection of abortion rights. Right. Well, Corey, before I let you go, about two weeks ago, there was a piece by Barton Gelman in The Atlantic, um, which begins very simply, sometime next year, after an interval of performative investigations, Republicans in the House are going to impeach Joe Biden. It does seem inevitable that they will try to do it. It also seems inevitable that it will blow up on itself and probably help Joe Biden if he decides to run again. But what are your thoughts and what what will they try to do it on? I've heard everything from COVID vaccine to pulling out of uh, Afghanistan, which are both things that Donald Trump bragged he started. Uh, there's also a, a tinge of election denialism that he has no, that he's basically assumed is the most radical way to see it. He's assumed right. the oath of office illegally. And oh, I hope they be, go for that one. Yes. <laughs> should be that the wackiest. Oh, I'd love to watch those hearings. But then if you, uh, there was, I think it was a quote in that Atlantic article from Ted Cruz that basically said straight up, we're going to use impeachment as retaliation for the Trump impeachment. Now, that's the part that scares me, because there are no guideposts to how you can do uh, impeachment. It's not like the Supreme Court would or even could come in and say this is an illegal impeachment or anything like that. It really is up to the House of Representatives alone Mm. and not to the Senate to decide whether or not to impeach the president. And so I think that my worry is that, you know, impeachment was too weak during Trump. He obviously, and we talked endlessly about this, had committed high crimes and misdemeanors on multiple fronts, certainly January 6th, the uh, quid pro quo demanded from the president of the Ukraine. Those were, and, you know, I'd add the obstruction of justice that Mueller outlined in his report, those were impeachable offenses. And there were the votes, of course, in the House, but not in the Senate to to act on that. But Republicans just see the tool and they see, oh, OK, we'll use this, too. And that that's a danger in itself that it will. But, but really why? I, I mean, but why, why, why is it a danger? Like they're not going to be able mm-hmm. the best they can do is have another performative show trial like Bill Clinton, where they lose. I mean, they're not going to yeah. remove him from office. And it really seems like the sort of dynamic where unless there's something that the rest of us don't know about that Biden did that was so scandalously illegal, it'll turn the mainstream and the independence off. It's not going to yeah. work. And if anything, it seems like it would actually help Joe Biden. I think in the short term, that's certainly right. It's not going to work. And I think the polls 
people increase as they did for Clinton during his impeachment. He came out stronger than he went in. But I think that when you have this, especially if it's the full House and there really is a vote to impeach, you get rid of the potential for this device to be a true check on the presidency. It worked once extremely well during Watergate when Nixon was forced down by a uh, forced out of office by a bipartisan group. And I guess what what that would do, the, the impeachment of Joe Biden is is turn this, I think, constitutional tool, important tool that has had success, at least in one case. It almost worked in the Andrew Johnson case for for also for the right reasons, despite how that case has been taught. It'll turn it into a joke and it'll turn it into something that's just a, a matter of performance. And, and as a constitutional scholar, that scares me, not because I'm worried about Joe Biden's future. He'll be fine. But because I'm worried about the, the tool when it comes to the next Trump. Exactly right. Professor Corey Bretschneider, it is always a great pleasure to have you show up here and class up the joint. Everyone, please follow the <laughs> professor at Bretschneider C on Twitter, which still exists. Right, Corey? You haven't left, have you? I, I don't know. I, I'm having a real, real trouble with the guy running it now. So do I. But, Corey, if you leave, if you leave, I'm going to find eight dollars. And I'm going to make a bunch of Corey Brechneider verified blue checkmark accounts to say you haven't left. So that's your warning. Thank you for joining us, Professor. It's a real pleasure. Quick break. When we come back, your calls on SiriusXM. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I'm John Fugel saying this is Progress After Dark. Kirk in L.A., you've been on hold forever. Thank you so much for your patience. How are you doing tonight? Very good, sir. How are you? Good. I want to talk about the election. And Let's I do am it. your resident, reasonable Republican. God, oh, nice. Yeah, we love you guys. Listen, we we all you know if you listen to this show, we fight for endangered species, and so we're we're here for you. Thank you, and we're not as endangered as you think, so don't feel sorry for us. No, I'm in New York State. I'm in New York State. I know there's plenty of you, (laughs) and I'm in California, so I do know there's some of us. Um, uh, So there's uh, my take on it. The the election. There's a lot of. I guess there's a lot of positives to go around for both parties. I agree. Um, from this election. Um, the positives for the Republicans, I would say, is we're, we're gaining many seats in the House. I think at, at count, Democrats have lost eight. Republicans will walk away with a majority slim. 
doesn't really Slim. matter. We don't have the presidency. So it's really as a block that, you know, having the House as a block is is good when you don't like what the president is doing. No do you think there's a danger? Do you think there's a danger if the majority is slim in the single digits? If Kevin McCarthy becomes speaker, that he'll have a tougher time controlling all the different factions? Because you and I both know that the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Gates and the Freedom Caucuses are going to make demands for concessions that Speaker McCarthy will not give. Well, I, I don't worry as much as uh, Speaker McCarthy or Marjorie or any of those people, because I think one of the other things that I took from this election is really how solid both bases are across the nation. Mm-hmm. Like there is a solid Republican base and there is a solid Democrat base. And I, I don't see the I, I, I starting to see kind of the, the wackiness pairing off after this because you're starting to see a little bit more of the adults at the table. Um, you think when you see states really grappling with the fact that there's there really are divides in every state yeah. um, and there really needs to be sensibility to make it. Um, and I think one of the things that I've I'm enjoyed from this is that the Republican Party does have a clear front runner now. I won't say leader, uh, but I will say front runner in DeSantis. Yeah. So DeSantis, who won by thirty thousand votes four years ago, beats beats his Democratic opponent by twenty percentage points or million yeah. and a half votes. Something like that. it's insane. It's insane. You know, he won every yeah. county but three. Like the the state map looks like when Reagan won in '84. It just it's just bright red for, for and, a reason. And he and he and, and the reason is, in my opinion, he ran on conservative values, which conservatives believe in. He ran. He didn't run with Trump. He's not a never Trump. Well, well, hang on, hang on. He 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 sure ran with Trump to get the job. I mean, do you remember his embarrassing, sycophantic ads about there with his little child building a wall with blocks, saying we're building a wall like Mr. Trump said? I mean, he sure got the job with Trump, and that's maybe you remember. I I hate agreeing with Trump, but yeah, those ads are on YouTube. Check them out. I hate to agree with Trump, but it's really true. Listen, listen, you might remember that. I don't think that's what a lot of people remember. I think what people, a lot of people, remember is what he ran on during the pandemic. And right. how DeSantis, the decisions he made in a state, whether you agreed with them or not, I don't care. But 60 percent of his population said we agreed with how you did it. Yeah. And that was that, that had nothing to do with Trump. I think they also I think they also, you know, smell a winner. I think they know that DeSantis is on a roll and that Trump is yesterday's news. They can tell that right wing media and most of the Congress are much more excited about DeSantis, even if they're afraid to say so. So I think that he has a lot of momentum in his favor. Hang on. And I think that Donald I think Donald Trump might be the only politician in America who can ruin things for Ron DeSantis. I mean, I I don't think Ron is I don't think DeSantis is as I don't think he he's going to try to destroy them. He's going to try and make DeSantis his running mate as well. I don't think DeSantis is as charismatic and brilliant and strong as a lot of media types think he is. But compared to Trump, he's Lincoln. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Will you guys entertain my unhinged conspiracy, not really conspiracy theory about Florida and Ron DeSantis? I prefer unhinged uh, conspiracy theories. If we're we're into conspiracy theories, so am I. Go for it. Yeah. So I don't disagree with you that he is the front runner for the Republican Party and that his victory is decisive and it looks strong and it makes Florida look like a a, a Republican stronghold uh, worthy of a leader. 
I also believe that that was wholly uh, intended and manufactured by Ron DeSantis um, and is the result of a, a devious political shrewdness. He threw out the congressional maps that his friends had drawn and insisted yeah. they'd redo it. Those districts were so redrawn. He pushed Charlie Crist out in, into running for governor, basically, because it was either that or lose your seat. Uh, he, he basically, you know forced Val Demings to uh, to to decide that challenging Marco Rubio was a great idea. And so he knew, like, I, by the way, anyone could know that you could beat so, Charlie Chris. Like so what I'm saying is, is, so so it's a bit of it's a bit of sleight of hand because you're making okay, so Florida, your you're making is, Florida look like a, a red bastion when really it's kind of a, a creation. It is fair uh, to say. I mean, he destroyed. Is, he, hang on. I, I hate on, to. I hate okay. to. Hold on. OK, he go said, ahead. He said your position. Your position is that he is not a good governor. That his is that your position that he's not a good. governor. That's not what he said. No, he's I, talking said about that, his popularity. I said that, I said that he, said he, he carved up a hand. Slide a hand would mean I'm playing this hand, but I'm really playing. I'm not. He carved up the congressional districts to make them entirely GOP favorable so that it, it, it looks like an 84 Reagan victory. But that's why it looks oh, OK. That way. OK. If you're talking about the district. Oh, yeah. He destroyed I, the largest. That, he I'm, just he, I mean, the largest African-American voting district in the state stretching from Tallahassee uh, all, all the way to Orlando and uh, to Jacksonville, I mean. And DeSantis carved it up. So all those black voters were subsumed oh, okay. into four majority white districts and Florida's black congressman okay. from that district was out of a gig. So he really okay. did do that's so the sleight of hand. My producer refers one and to a half million. He went from 30 percent, 30,000 majority to a one and a half million majority, regardless of how any line was drawn. That's inarguable. So right. I think he comes out as the front runner. Clearly, he, clearly everything to the Republican Party in terms of the ideas we want, he says. And he has none of the horrible business record, bankruptcies, all the things that you hate about Trump that I had to stomach with him. I don't you didn't have to. You, I, I didn't have to stomach it with Trump. You didn't have to stomach it no. with Trump. Well, I can't I can't vote for I can't vote for a Democrat ideas. OK, I have to vote for Republican ideas. And what is and what is what is the what are the what ideas are we talking about? So stay, let's stay with me. Stay with me here. Mm-hmm. So what DeSantis brings, what DeSantis, I can answer that, but I'm just saying what DeSantis brings is the ideas that regular conservatives like me value. Like what? Out the, killing oh, the I can tell you all the, the things we value. Forced abortions, killing the poor, the baggage wealthy of people. who Trump is, who I never admired, I never respected, I never right. looked up to him. I would never no tell unions. a child Legal aspired to be him. I would never, never. Those are never right. things that would happen. Okay. Can I ask a question? Can I ask you a question? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Could you please, I don't know if you saw Ron DeSantis' newest ad where he says that God needed a fighter, so God sent Ron DeSantis. Um, I did not see his ad. His new ad is about how he has been, hang on, hang on. His new ad is all about how he's been anointed by God. God has chosen him because God needs someone to fight for God. God apparently can't fight for himself, and that's the ad he's put out. So my question for you. It's not just his new ad. It was his closing ad statement. Yeah, I know. know, The final ad of your campaign is like your closing statement. So my question about it is, here's here's my question about the ad, sir, if you can help me with this. Can you name one teaching of, since he's selling himself as the Christian candidate, right? Can you name one teaching of Jesus? that Ron DeSantis has ever fought for on a I'm legislative gonna, level? You know I'm a Christian, or maybe you don't. I don't. You know but my Christianity. That's great. Okay, well, I'll tell you. My Christianity so, then, so let me ask you that. One, has, one Christ well, teaching. On, something. I a sentence and you ask a question. My Christianity has zero to do with how I vote. Why? 
because politics and, and church are two different things. Hang okay, on a second. So wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let me ask a question about that. Question about that, please. So do you, do you, so when you go into the voting booth, when you go into the voting booth, let, let me and you vote. For one thing. Let me say one thing and then you ask a question. Sure. Go when ahead. I, so, so divorce in the Bible, is divorce morally okay in the Bible? According to whom? The Bible. The Bible. Well, Jesus changes the divorce laws in Matthew 19. So the, it changes. In the okay. Old Testament, a man can throw out his wife when he no longer delights in her. Jesus says you can't divorce your wife unless she's committed adultery on you. Okay, so do I agree with that? Legally. Because I don't vote morally, I vote legally. So there are, there's morality things that I agree with, and there are legality things. And no, I know, I vote, but, but... I only vote on legality. Okay. I don't vote on morality. Let me put it to you this way, then, because in the case of divorce, back then, you know, Holy Land, year 33 A.D., uh, being divorced was a death sentence for women in many cases. Now, being trapped in an abusive marriage is a death sentence for women in many cases. I think if Christ were alive, he showed he could adapt with the times, and I don't think he would fight to keep women trapped in abusive relationships now. I think Christ was pro-woman, and that that's why he said that in the and, first and place, you, to protect women. A, if you put a ballot measure on there for, to, for me to vote, I would not vote from my my Christianity, I'd vote from a legality sense because I can't. Right, but, but, but here's my, my thing about the Christianity. But here's my I thing like, about I that. Here's like, my thing I about that because like I feel like you do. I mean, a lot of people, you, you a lot of right wing. No, hold on. Hang on. Let me, let me finish my question. Come well, on. on. A lot of right wing Christians you, want to legislate. You like to corner us into thinking that our faith dictates how we vote. You do this. You, you you make this argument all can the I, time. No, can what I I'm asking is I'm I'm vote. actually asking I'm actually asking about yeah. voting against the teachings of your faith because I, for me I, like at a very you, young I'm age not, I'm not I'm separating the both so you you can respect right but the but here's my question you. but right but here's my question okay, you look at what Ron DeSantis did to those migrant families treating them like shit for a piece of theater they didn't even live in his own state but he was just mean to them that? for the sake of being mean no I want to say when you walk into the voting booth do you I mean here's my problem with the Republican Christianity how do you read Matthew 25 and see Christ demand hang on let me finish my point respectfully Kirk, how do you read Matthew 25 and see Christ demand that individuals and nations take care of the sick, take care of the poor, are kind to those in prison, welcome the stranger? That's the only commandment in the entire Bible having anything to do with immigration or with borders. And you know what Jesus stands for. You walk into a voting booth and you vote for the guy who's going to do the opposite of everything Christ okay. talked. Can, can for I, me, okay, there's my question. Now? How can, can you I do answer? that? Especially when the Bible is not Fair against question. abortion. But conservative Christians vote pretending that it is in the Bible. Go ahead. Okay. And please, ready. please okay. set example. Now, if you right now, this is serious. If I like you, this conversation, someone, please go ahead. If, if someone came to my house right now and said, would you like an all expense paid trip to Martha's Vineyard? Yes or no. You can sign on the dotted line. We'll take you to Martha's Vineyard. And I. Yeah. I would, and okay. I yeah. Go, and, I, and I go to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. You wouldn't say just that example right now is yeah. unethical, rude, or inhumane. Correct. Well, or correct it, if that happened to my front door right now, if that happened to you, you who's yeah, not a migrant right awaiting a you who are not no, you're no, not no, a no, migrant me, applying me, for me. legal asylum, and no one's lying to you, right? No one's promising you a green card or job or citizenship to get on this plane. Just then yeah, you'd get on the plane. Me, just me right now. It wouldn't be inhumane for someone to come to my house and say, "Would you like to go to Martha's Vineyard right now?" Yeah, they're not they're not lying to you, right? It's not you're not being deceived into getting on the plane like Ron DeSantis's so, people, right? So go on. So, so let me get this straight. So your issue is not with him 
but oh, yes, it is. people to Martha's Vineyard with an agreement, we're taking you here. You're, no, you're, you're those people were lied to. They were promised something? They were lied to. They were all they were awaiting process. Yeah. They were legal okay. asylum seekers. None of them were illegal. None of them were illegally here. They were not in the state of Florida. And Ron DeSantis used COVID money he got from the federal government to hire a private plane to fly these folks from Texas up there. Didn't tell the people on the ground that they were coming. It was all done for a stunt. And the Republican okay, governor of Massachusetts had to deal with them and give them housing. I didn't bring this up, right? You brought this up. I have a question. Is there a difference on this land in America where you're at? Or are you always in America when you're in America? What? I'm so sorry. I don't understand the question. If are, well, are he's, you're in America he's trying right to say what's wrong with putting illegal immigrants. No, no, no I'm not saying anything yet. I'm saying, are you in America? Because you acknowledge you acknowledge these people were lied to on the plane, right? You can acknowledge that they were falsely told John, they would get help with their John, green cards. Could, they would get jobs. You could stick with me on the question. I'm in America. You're in America. We really don't have time for this. We're t- you're people were lied to. My question to you is, please name one teaching of Jesus that Ron DeSantis actually cares about. Because I see him talking a good game about being a Christian and then legislating a against all the teachings of Christ. He doesn't give a rat's ass about the least of these. He doesn't welcome the stranger. So what, he doesn't give a what, fuck about so helping the sick. And you want Go to ahead. turn it to religion. I don't want to turn it to religion. You always I'm turning it about hypocrisy, my friend. I'm turning it about Ron DeSantis' hypocrisy, and you'd better get used to defending here, him on this, because when he runs for president, his revoltingly not, false you're, you're, faith you're, is going to be called into question. I hope, he claims I hope he's a Christian, and he's all that. talk. I really hope listeners will hear what just happened right there. I didn't bring up religion. You did. Kirk. I sure Kirk, did. We're talking Ron DeSantis. He's I a didn't fraud. Bring up you brought up religion. Kirk. Kirk, he's a fraud. And I ask you, how is a Christian you're a fatal for a man whose policies are against the teachings of Christ? How can you say that you're a Christ follower and then vote for the people who are going to make life hard for the marginalized? Make the rich richer. Make the poor poorer. We got to hit a break, but I thank you for the call. Call back. I didn't realize our guests are waiting in the wings, but I do appreciate you calling. We got to take a quick one. We'll be back in just a moment. Enjoy this conversation, and we better get used to it because Ron DeSantis and his revoltingly false Christianity are going to be in the front of the media machine for a long time to come. We'll be right back. Right now, I'm so pleased to welcome Andrew Lawrence back to the show. He's Deputy Director of Rapid Response at Media Matters. He's worked there since January 2016. He's a veteran campaign operative with statewide experience in Florida, Ohio, and Iowa. He's been keeping tabs on both Fox News' pre- and post-midterm election coverage and Elon Musk's very slow-motion train wreck as Twitter's new lord and master. Andrew Lawrence, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thanks. Thanks for having me, John. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I've really been enjoying the uh, the multiple postmortems that are going on, even though we don't even know who's won half a dozen big races yet. No, we don't, but I think we know who won the, the midterm, or at the very least, who lost it. Um, yes. You know, I think that historically, th- this should have been a huge, huge red uh, for Republicans. And the fact that they, you know, even if they end up with control of the House and the Senate, it's going to be by the thinnest of margins. And right. it's really a coin flip right now that that'll even happen. It's it's one of the largest political failures of my lifetime. I, I would agree. It's really, really shocking. And I've been trying to figure out, like, who the real winners are. There are a lot of losers, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. One of the losers, I would have to say, would be uh, polling, as we know it, as mm-hmm. well as um, the mainstream media narratives. Uh, those yes. are two of the biggest casualties, I think, so far. Yeah, absolutely. And the... Um, 
and the polling was so interesting and and i you know i don't know how closely you were following it for me very closely um, on this show very closely you know those last few weeks it, it, you saw a lot of conservative polls coming out um it felt like they were sort of flooding the zone and yeah. you take a look back you know i saw uh trafalgar i don't know how how familiar you are with them a very conservative right wing mm-hmm. i mean they, they had the republicans winning the senate race in vermont you know for yeah. how loud. i think that was like a 30 point win for the democrats um yeah. so it was it was such a mess um you know and i also think it, the polling was off i mean obviously you know there's there's just no doubt about it i think it is it's the the youth turnout that we saw in the midterms was like nothing we've, we've ever seen before um, and I, I can sort of understand the, the cautious optimism there, given how we counted on that in the past. And it just has, has yeah. never happened. You know, so You're something right. like that is, is very hard to predict. You know, for me personally, the lesson that I'm learning is you can't really trust the polls at all. I and mean, it's, it's maybe a good guide map, but, but that's about it. And it really is about turnout. And, you know, I think we also saw, you know, and I know you follow the media quite closely. Um, People, it was basically consensus that this was going to be a red wave. And, you know, I think the conservatives have really just worked the ref so well uh, the past 20 years. Um, And I think that they also, you know, they have these megaphones and they they don't let you forget about it when you're wrong. And and we still hear about the polling in 2016. And the left just isn't like that. You know, we're we're not going to see the left for the next 10 years talk about how polling the map was this cycle. So, so I think they feel a little bit safer hedging their bets towards Republicans, you know, the media, especially the mainstream media. Do you think that um, we can count among the winners, Democrats who thought it was a good idea to meddle in GOP primaries to boost the far right election denying <laughs> candidates? They were heavily criticized. We all talked about how cynical or potentially brilliantly cynical it was, but um, they're looking pretty accurate today. I think, think they won every one of the races that they that they meddled in uh if not it's close to that and yeah i mean look you can't argue with the results um for me i'm not a, i'm not the biggest risk taker and it feels a little bit like like playing with fire you know i i do remember in 16 we were all hoping for trump because we thought he was very beatable um and not only did he win but he made life a living hell for for four years you know but uh, look they know better than i do on something like that so and, and it's working out well I do completely agree. Obviously, there is a lot of winners in this election when you think about it. I mean, democracy, reproductive rights. um, And of course, uh, one of the biggest losers is the conventional wisdom that Gen Z won't show up to vote. I don't think we're going to stop talking about this for a very long time. We always say if young people showed up, it would make the difference. And wow, in state after state, young people who don't get polled, who don't have landline phones, who don't pick up their cell phone when someone they don't know calls them with a poll. Right. They showed up exceeding everyone's expectation. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the Dobbs decision, I think, you know, it's fair to say that was probably the biggest factor. But I think, you know, you look at the push that the Obama or the the Biden administration made in the last six months, the last year with Build Back Better being pushed through. You have um, uh, student loan relief. Uh, You have talk about uh, reclassifying uh, marijuana. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I think all those things. gave Gen Z at least a reason to go out to vote. And then I, not just for Democrats, though, I think it's it's also very much voting against uh, what conservatives have been pushing for the last couple of years. When you look at the anti-trans hate, uh, the LGBT right. uh, hate, I think you look at uh, the critical race theory nonsense and garbage that they've been mm-hmm. seeing. You know, I look at um, 
don't know if you're, you're a baseball fan, but but some of the ads Republicans were, were running, Stephen Miller's group in particular, was so racist and disgusting. And I, oh, yeah. I have to imagine that that motivated people to get out and vote because they didn't want Republicans in power. Yeah, it's a big factor. I, I mean, yeah. I'm looking at, at Arizona and, you know, one thing Arizona voters are proud of is their own independence and they think for themselves mm-hmm. and they have very fond memories of John McCain. So when I saw Carrie Lake trashing John McCain and trashing right. what she called John McCain Republicans or Blake Masters signing on with this racist white replacement theory and the, and the big lie about the election. And I just thought, you know what? Being a huge asshole really works with getting you the GOP nomination, but we have seen frequently in the last 15 years, it doesn't help you with a general election. You you had a great tweet. Conservatives have seen their entire worldview shattered multiple times and in multiple ways this week. And I thought right away, yeah, crime, 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 critical race theory. And yeah. most Americans don't really care about being shitty to trans people. Right. Yeah, it's so spot on. And I think that, you know, what, one thing you have to recognize and that the Republican Party eventually needs to come to grips with is that, you know, the the nonsense, the extremism, the hate that gets you on to Fox News is not the same thing that's going to win you elections statewide and nationally. And, you know, there was such a long time where where the Repu- where Fox News and conservative media existed to prop up Republican politicians. And somehow over the last four years, that's been flipped on its head. Now, Republican politicians exist. The Republican Party exists prop up Fox News and conservative media. And and that is not how you win elections. And I think that, you know, I, I watch Fox News every single night. And let me tell you, the Republican Party did exactly what Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and all the rest, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, they did exactly what those people wanted them to do and run on. And they got they got trounced two nights ago. Um, so, you know, they, they need to make a decision at some point and, you know, the, in the coverage since the midterms, I can tell you Fox News has not changed um, because they want to get ratings. And, and what gets right. them ratings is That's it. keeps eyeballs on the TV is, is the hate and the extremism and, and spreading fear. So, you know, we'll see. But it's it's very fascinating to watch. I completely agree. You had another great tweet. I'm just going to be quoting you to you. Tucker Carlson is blaming. Well, you say Tucker Carlson is blaming the leader of the Republican Party for the GOP midterm disaster without acknowledging that he is the leader of the Republican Party. Right. Exactly. The greatest, most beautiful thing about this party is whether you're talking about Trump or the Ted Cruz's or the Matt Gates, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Fox News. It's a cult of selfishness. It's a cult of self-interest. And from Giuliani on down, they will always turn on each other. There's going to be and, no loyalty among these Republicans for any of the other ones at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I mean, you see it right now with the way that they're turning on Donald Trump. Um, and because what they're doing, they're looking for a scapegoat. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but like the last two years, since he's been off of Twitter, off of Facebook, he's not getting interviews. I have not seen very much of Donald Trump. I mean, That's to, true. To, for, for them to blame this on him, you know, maybe the remnants that's in the back of people's minds that they didn't want him back in power. But uh, I'm sorry, Tucker Carlson is much more visible right now than than Donald Trump is. And they just don't want to take the responsibility because, I mean, look, at the end of the day, they need to get ratings. That's that's what their entire existence is built. That's off it. Of. That's what we keep and, saying. It's all about the ratings. That's their only their only bias. If Sean Hannity you know, could draw larger numbers by supporting single payer health care, he'd be doing right. it tomorrow. Right. You're, you're so right. Yeah. So, you know, so they can't they can't just they can't switch boats. You know, I mean, they're 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 going to ride this out doing doing what they do because they know that it works 
to get raised. You, but, you know, yeah. unfortunately for the Republican Party, uh, fortunately for us, that does not win elections. My favorite of your Election Day tweets was what I see happening is that conservative media used to exist to prop up the Republican Party. But now the Republican Party exists to prop up conservative media. And the majority of the country is repulsed by shitheads like Matt Walsh and Tucker Carlson and Jesse Waters. Um, a little bit insulting to shitheads, but I completely agree. So are we now about to witness the awkward phase where Fox Hem begins their transition to Ron DeSantis? <laughs> it's I, I, what I've seen tonight. You know, this is all very fresh. I get I can say what I've seen tonight is more of I feel like they want a battle. You know, they want they want these guys to butt heads would make for great TV. You know, they get they get a lot of interesting segments out of it. So I think that they're more fanning the flames right now than sort of choosing choosing winners or but I think they want this. You know, I think they want this battle and I think they're gonna get it. I mean, Trump has basically said he's announcing he's running next week. Um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the mainstream media covers it. But, um, you know, and, and him versus DeSantis, that, that, that's it's going to be beautiful. Oh, it's yeah. going to be porn for moral people. It's going to be it's going to be porn for the angels in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. I mean, angels right. are going to buy lube. That's how like, nice it's going to be. <laughs> right. Uh, but right. As long as we're as long as we're talking about petulant millionaires at birth who take over someone else's operation and ruin it. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Elon Musk. Can we please? Because you've been paying yeah, very close him. attention to this. Three more key Twitter executives resigned today. There are massive leadership vacuums. They're already beginning to beg some fired employees from a week ago to come back. The Verge reported that a Twitter lawyer sent a message to colleagues warning that Musk could put the company in even greater violation of their FTC consent degree around data privacy, which they've already paid multiple fines for. I'm just, you know, saying a few things about it. I mean, they've begun letting any whack job pay for a blue check mark, and now I am verified I, I am being followed by a verified George Washington account. Um, it, it's it's a big old mess over there. What? It, it, there's no simple, easy takeaways, are there? You know, I saw a great tweet the other day. I wish I knew who said it, but they they said it's like if Elmer Fudd bought a factory of Bugs Bunnies. You know, it's just it's such a mess. It's just chaos. It's manic, um, and it's you know I I didn't think this was going to go well. You know, given what he had said about speech and, and I didn't either patient system and all, I did not anticipate it I didn't think he was really going to do it neither did I I thought he was going to try to get out of it. it it was such a bad deal he did he did he did try to get out of it that's the funny thing he was forced he was forced to not back out of it and buy this thing and now he's walking around like some liberal with a clipboard outside of Whole Foods asking for eight dollar donations for people to bail him out and he's the richest man in the world begging random accounts for eight dollars it's it's unbelievable. You know, I, I hope it, it destroys the myth that, you know, the wealthy are better and smarter than all of us because this oh is my God. ridiculous. But it's just, you know, it, the incompetence is just so staggering. And, it's, it's you know, incredible. it's like every time I log on to Twitter, it's, you know, now all of a sudden they're charging people to, you know, what, use their real names or reply to tweets. Yes. Or it, and, and it's just these things. He wants to turn it into TikTok and have it be like he wants to turn it into TikTok the same way Instagram and Facebook have been turned into TikTok and have it be a place for for video. And he wants to start having OnlyFans accounts where you can have porn for pay. You can already see porn for free anywhere on the Internet, but he thinks he's going to make money off of this. And we've already seen a fake LeBron James account with a blue check mark demanding a trade from the Lakers. I mean, yeah, it seems like it's only going to get worse. 
and he's going to take all the blame for this. I oh, mean, 100%. all the blame. I mean, he he made blame. himself the face of it, right? Have and we ever seen a corporate fuck up on this scale? Have we ever I, seen so, someone I, just? I, I think this is the biggest fuck up, like in the history of humankind. This is the richest man on the planet. He came into this with two hundred billion dollars and the reputation of being the smartest man walking the face of the earth. And within a week, it has been absolutely demolished. I mean, it's just, it's gone. Um, <laughs> Chris, is this really, the biggest really fuck gone. up in human? Is this, could this be the biggest? It's not the biggest fuck up. I mean, Hitler invading Russia during the winter might be a bigger <laughs> fuck up. I don't know. I'm, I'm reaching here, but maybe. I mean, That's, the Great Chicago well, Fire, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> top 10. We'll go top 10. <laughs> top 10. All right. <laughs> it's um, just, it's mind boggling to me how, how incompetent he is. And he's, his wealth is just dwindling before our eyes. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, the top privacy executives have quit now, which is opening them up to widespread questions about data security. Elon Musk might find himself in a lot of trouble that he can't smile away. I mean, this piece of The Verge is about how he's putting Twitter at risk of billions with a B, mm. billions in fines. And it seems that the richest man on Earth's only priority with these Twitter users is how to get them to pay for something they got for free last week. Right. And and by doing that, he's driving away the advertisers, which are where that's where Twitter makes its money. That's what it is. You know, and he, he thought that, that that Twitter was a customer base, that the users are the customer base, but we're that's not right. with a product. And he doesn't understand that. He, he like you sell the users, you sell the customer right. base. You that's know, right. you don't grow it with all of this stuff. And oh. it's just so backwards. It seems so simple. I mean, I am I am not very business savvy, um, but it's just so obvious. How do you, how do, how do you make Mark Zuckerberg look this smart? I just right. I just don't understand. <laughs> and, and and such good social skills too. Um, there's yeah. these emails that he sent to the employees where he the New York Times has seen them and talked about them, where he said the economic picture ahead is dire. He's painting this very bleak financial hellscape for Twitter, which mm-hmm. didn't exist two weeks ago. Talking about all these changes in the company, and he actually said, "Sorry, this is my first email to the company." That's, sorry that this is my first email to the company, but there is no way to sugarcoat the message. The economic picture ahead is dire. I, I don't see how anyone who works at this company is not getting their resume really, really ready right now. I, you know, I know I, I do have a few people uh, in Twitter, inside Twitter that are um, miserable, right now, you know, and I feel for them. I really do. Um, but it's it's just it's such a mess. And I, I mean, do you have any predictions for how this ends? Yeah, I my prediction is Rupert Murdoch and MySpace. I think he's going to yeah. sell it off for a fraction of what he paid for it. But yeah. by then, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, look, I I I like Twitter. Um, I mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I think it's amazing that you have this public marketplace where heads of state and great artists and entertainers and protesters can all have their voices heard. I don't believe mm-hmm. that there's shadow banning. I think Republicans have pushed this lie for so long about censorship. What, what's made me so crazy about this has been. You can't censor someone on Twitter. It, it doesn't exist. The, only I, the government can censor. I mean, anyone who's thrown off this free service can still say whatever I, the hell they want anywhere. No one has silenced them. I always say if Seven Eleven kicks you out because you have no shoes and no shirt, you can still say right. whatever you want to the parking lot. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, you know, it's another one of those right wing lies that has just blown up in their face this, this week. I mean, Elon Musk was their champion of free speech. And now he's saying that, like, you can't have a parody account on Twitter. 
Um, Champion of free you know, speech who, fought, who, who who banned Kathy Griffin and Sarah Silverman from the platform for having a power. Oh, did I tell did, did you know he banned me for I got suspended for a week? I, I, uh, I think it was the day that he took over. I replied. Really? Uh, what happened? Yeah. Tell us, please. I replied, uh, Mr. Musk, uh, please have sex with my wife. She does not exist. It was just sort of a joke about his infidelity and whatnot. I was suspended two minutes after that. I mean, just suspended. And, you know, I thought it was a mistake at first. I uh, I appealed it, and they said that it uh, violated Twitter's rules. And so so they didn't, uh, yeah. so I had to delete the tweet uh, in order to get my account back. So, so a light criticism, a light joke at Mr. Yeah. Musk's expense uh, oh, is not allowed. These thin-skinned bullies, these thin-skinned mm-hmm. millionaire at birth, petulant, tough guy bullies. It's just amazing. It is fascinating what, to watch. What do you think will happen? Because I, I don't I don't think people are going to leave. I, I view Twitter like I view America. I'm not going to leave because assholes took over. But at, <laughs> I, I, I say this, but I could tell you that since Elon came in, in one week, I've lost 14,000 followers. That's wow. 14,000 people who left the service because of this guy. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't know what's going to turn around for this or what's going to change. I think the only way he could save it is if he restored Twitter to what it used to be and, mm-hmm. and introduced an edit button. And, and that's like the best thing he could do to get people to come back. I don't know if it's enough at this point. Right. No, I, you know, I have been right where you are for the longest time. That Somebody else is going to buy it. We're going to get more or less back to normal. At this point, with all the engineers leaving and everybody that's in charge leaving, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I try to log on tomorrow and it's just a black screen. You know, oh, it's, God. it just it feels like such a disaster. Um, and, and it, uh, you know, I love what you said about Twitter earlier about the, the benefits of it. And, and you're so spot on. and it's so true. And I would hate to lose this platform. Um, don't get me wrong. It's also a, it's it's also a racist, misogynist, homophobic mm-hmm. hellscape of of anonymous cowards who are out there to harass and try to hurt people. I mean, it's it's a yep. shithole. But boy, it's our shithole. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So you know, I'm in it. I'm in it until the end. I mean, I am enjoying this this train wreck way too much to to go anywhere. And I mean, look with all these security risks, uh, we may be in for a class action suit at some point. So I'm I'm gonna talk right. this out. You oh, know? you're so right. <laughs> Ooh, wow. I can already, so before, John, I can already see it. The commercials from the lawyers on TV where it's just like, <laughs> were you a user of Twitter from 2009 through 2022? You may be entitled to a settlement. Yep. <laughs> were you exposed? You may have been exposed to mesothelioma. <laughs> you, have you been exposed to toxic memes? Hey, wait a second. I was on Twitter while I was stationed at Camp Lejeune. <laughs> oh, bad news. Two for one there. Yeah. Uh, so before I let you go, Andrew Lawrence, and it's such a yeah. pleasure having you back on the show. Thank you. We're obviously waiting to see what's going to happen between Mark Kelly with Blake Masters, Adam Frisch mm-hmm. with Lauren Bobert, Catherine Cortez Masto with Adam Laxalt, and Katie Hobbs really might beat Carrie Lake, who... I, I, the media was saying was going to be our next president on Monday, and now it looks like Katie Hobbs, who was too mousy to have one debate, might wind up beating her after all. Do you have any predictions about what we're going to see in the next week or two? You know, like I said, I try to stay away from predictions, but I mean, look, you look at the trend, things, things are looking very good for the Democrats, right? You know, I mm. would not be surprised if they already have 50 Senate seats without the Georgia one. Mm. Um, you know, I think, I, I think they're in incredible shape right now. So fingers crossed. I mean, you know, we we need it. And um, hopefully something that embarrassing can cause the Republicans to, to rethink their their priorities. Um, I wouldn't count on that. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it does. So fingers crossed. 
It is such a pleasure having you back. Please, please come and see us again uh, as the week stick forward. Andrew Lawrence is Deputy Director of Rapid Response at Media Matters. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your work? You know, on Twitter, as long as it exists, um, my Twitter handle is a little <laughs> bit confusing, but if you just type in Andrew Lawrence, my name, um, it, it'll pop up. I have a little baby as my, as my avatar. So, <laughs> Brilliant. Please um, do. Oh, and no, and I, I mean, I got I got to plug our website, too. MediaMatters.org. Oh, yeah, we watch Fox News, so you don't have to. So you want to know what these people are saying, but you don't want to spend a second of your life actually watching it. Uh, MediaMatters.org is, is where you And thank you for all Media Matters does. But I thank all of our guests, including Corey Brett Schneider. Remember way back in hour one? Thank you, Thea Harper. Thank you, Chris Houseelt. We will be back tomorrow night with a very special guest, the legendary Bob Woodward. Keep it tuned to progress. I'm John Fugel saying. See you next time. Peace.